Vigo's having to operate even more attackingly now. He really hits that one. Oh, that is just sensational from Luis Vigo. Yes, we are now episode 11, which is quite a healthy number. So welcome, guys, to episode 11, Box to Box podcast. Uh, we were just exchanging pleasantries earlier. So as we go along the journey of this lovely podcast we have planned for you, I would love if our hosts would kindly speak into the mic and obviously remember about muting when you're not speaking, which is always a handy tool to have. But welcome to the episode uh, Mr. Analytics FC, Ade, how are you? How's things? Good to have you on board again. Yo, all good. All good here. Ready to talk some football. Some interesting. Yes, I love it. And then we have Mr. Hurt by Football, none other than Carlisle Baker-Jackson, i.e. we call him CJ. What's good? What's good? What's good? This should Last, be a good episode. A lot yeah. to go through. Hopefully we can keep it to under an hour. Uh, last but not least, Football Manager maestro maz islam how are you maz how are you doing hello hello i'm good good so guys uh i think we we just um we jump straight in because uh, i think there's no time to waste on what has picked up the headlines in the last uh 24 hours none other than the apparent goat of football cr7 has come out slandering manchester united and the way he's been treated over the last 18 months so no, we. I would love to give my opinion in this, even though I would say I'm well rehearsed. I think there's two other Arsenal fans in this chat, but to give it a bit of context and some balance, we've brought on our resident United expert, Maz. Maz, do you want to um, take this away and kind of paint the picture as to what the the discussion has been with? CR7 and how is it kind of being seen as from a United standpoint as a fan? To be honest, I think he's probably lost the remaining supporters he had at the club after this. Basically, I mean, to be fair, he's not been there yet, but from the snippets we've seen, it seems like he's pretty much slandered the club, the manager, the players, pretty much thrown them under the bus. And for me, I think he's pretty much cut his ties with United and it's probably his way of trying to push a manoeuvre out of the club and to be honest I'm not sure who would take him after this. Can I ask on that uh, on your was... first point, were you one of those supporters that kind of back and I was kind of saying yeah he should, he should be moved on but he'll always be regarded as a legend of the club and I still, still stand by that, I still think he would be seen as a legend. The more he stays the more he releases statements and he does interviews like yesterday He's just ruining that legacy bit by bit. And I think it's come to a point now, it just seems to be the Cristiano story. There's, there's, no, there's no news about United anymore. It's just all focused about Ronaldo. So this is what I was going to ask before... It's just pure selfishness. Really. Before I bring in Adi and, and Carlisle about their viewpoints. But from your standpoint as a United fan, just given, let's say, the last... Uh, seven to eight months, you know, uh, referring back to like June, July time when you guys announced Ten Hag as your manager, he came out pretty uh, solidly, you know, saying he's looking forward to working with him. He's excited to see what he could bring to United. And then ever since then, you know, I think he had an incident, obviously, with his daughter uh, who passed away, uh, unfortunately, if I'm not mistaken, during July time. Um, and since then, it seems to have triggered a I guess, an animosity between the club and himself. And I don't know, just from a United fan standpoint, how does that, how is it kind of feeling right now as you seeing some of the... Con- no, but I, I think it happened before that. I mean, he he, he didn't, he backed Eric Ten, Ten Hag one week and a week after he came out saying that he wants to leave. This is before, like, well, the stuff that happened with his daughter, obviously, is you know, what, what shocking news at the time. But that, that, that happened after the season had started because you remember it with local fans, what was happening and... And all that, all of that was happening. But he he wanted to leave in the summer, and 
to be fair, at that point, most United fans were saying, yeah, fair enough, what's cut ties. Go. Yeah, cut like he wants to go, let him go. He, he didn't do pre-season. Remember that, trying to force, force a move out. And, um, yeah, at that point, most fans were like, yeah, let him go. But he failed to secure a move away or people even, or anyone even putting a bid in for him. And then he obviously was forced to stay. But I, I don't understand how, why he should be guaranteed a, a starting position at the age he's at plus missing pre-season and, and, and the friendlies. So my, my view on that is obviously now I'll bring in Adi, but just on that point, Maz, like I can see why he would feel like he was the, sh- it depends on what the conversations happened behind the scenes with exec management. But he was the top scorer last season, right? So I think to a certain extent, you're kind of expected to continue that sort of responsibility. He's that type of player and you're going to a World Cup. So I don't know, maybe there were conversations we don't know about behind the scenes and he was promised some sort of time. Mm, yeah, no, fair enough. I, I get that. But he was just top goals for the last season, but he didn't. He missed the big chunk of preseason yeah. and he kind of just walked straight back in the team and, and, and expect to be the first thing on the team sheet. Yeah. Bear in mind, it's a new manager, clean slate for all the players. And I'm not saying Tushar is just another player. He's, he's one of the best players in the world and it always will be. It's just that he can't expect to walk back in the, into the team without a pre-season or, and demand first-team football. It's a, good, it's a good way. I like, I like the way that's kind of helped me understand what's going on. But um, I want to bring Adi in. Adi, do you think, just given how the timeline's worked out, you know, Maz referred to him kind of throwing a strop uh, during that June-July um, summertime and uh, they obviously didn't make Champions League. And do you think the contributing factor was that he felt, Ronaldo felt that his legacy in the Champions League was like under threat and he wasn't going to play, you know, Champions League football. Do you think that was a, a consideration? Um, I, th- I think so. I think he knows he's got a limited amount of time and he knows... <sighs> The, the thing is, Ronaldo, since he was at Man United and he left, he's been at Real Madrid and all the clubs he's been at. He is about his own numbers, his legacy, his achievement, his his what he can get, how he can rack up. He's, you know, he don't think he takes it lightly that he's the highest uh, ever goal scoring professional football or something like that with the amount of goals he's got um, across internationals and uh domestic competitions and such um don't think that that doesn't go to his head so when you're keeping him on the bench you're kind of doing him a disservice and I think but according to him and I think he came back to Man United and it was always going to end like this because he's a player who's on the wing he's on on the way out they want a brand of football that represents what's going on now and this was always going to end badly because he is such a big name what he expected to get at Man United I feel he felt he would be able to control things. He would be able to basically say to the manager, he wants to play and start all the time, regardless of what he did. Now, last season, he was top scorer for them, but that's because they didn't really have any other options to turn to or any kind of structure to how they wanted to play. Now he's having to sit down. And I think you're right. It's his numbers that are in jeopardy. So he's trying to engineer a move so he can continue scoring. But the problem is, I don't think people will take him. He's not. He doesn't realise he's not the Ronaldo of old. So... I'm kind of with my United fans on this one who feel pissed off at him because he is very selfish. And I feel like in the last five to six years of his career, he's actually been of detriment to the clubs he's been at because of that hunger to benefit himself or to have his legacy improved and, you know, improve his numbers. So I don't know. I think it's come to a head, but I, I could see this coming way before the last five, six months. Does it, where... does it give you shades of Aubameyang a bit with the Arsenal story? It's a bit different because Aubameyang has no right. He's not had that career, wanted a freedom that he felt he deserved because he's been the player that Arsenal have led to because he scored in the cup final for us and won that because he's been our top scorer for, you know, as many seasons as he's been there. He kind of, he expected something without really having the merit or the career or the legacy at the club. Whereas Ronaldo, I think, in just how people revere him as up there with Messi, ridiculous to me, but anyway, how people revere him as up there with Messi, he's kind of got this inflated sense of self. And this is going to be the problem. Regardless if he gets a move in January, he's probably going to go and ruin another team. And I think he'll stifle the development of the players. And I think it's because he's so, everything has to be centered around making him 
do the best on the pitch. And when you're 37 odd, unfortunately, it's not going to be like that in football. Fair enough. Carl, let me bring you in. Um, with his stats being top scorer last season, I mean, I'm, play, I'm playing a bit of devil's advocate. We've got like Maz and Ade kind of, I would assume, well, from what I'm hearing, we're kind of like agreeing on the same point. But let's play a bit of devil's advocate. Do you not feel, given his stats that I mentioned last season being top scorer of United, kind of pushing them through the season as they went along, uh, he's kind of want, warranted that sort of you know, treatment? Maybe he was promised stuff. Um, we have to remember that this guy bullied to get what he wanted, right? So was originally going to go to City, then Sir Alex Ferguson stepped in and made him change his mind, which I think is the biggest pile of shit ever. Like, he, he, it's not because of that, it's purely because of money. But they bullied Cavani out of giving him, giving him his number seven back, which doesn't get mentioned really by anyone. Um, and yeah, to be fair, he did save them at times and all of that. But that's also because the system was essentially just set up for, okay, Ronaldo's going to interrupt how everyone else plays, just give him the ball. And I'm sure Maz will agree with this, where you can argue that there's more than just one player at um, Arsenal, at United, who suffered based on that form of tactics. Rashford, Sancho, those are just two players top of my head. I can think of that definitely were affected by the fact that it was just... Yeah, Bruno too as well. Yeah, give the ball to Ronaldo, right? And if you're trying to make a team, it's unsustainable. But also, I don't understand how anyone at United could have wanted Ronaldo to come to United, then complain about Ronaldo being Ronaldo when he's done that at Madrid, he's done that at Juventus. So all he's doing now is what he's always done. It's like that tale about... um, well, it's like the scorpion and the frog or whatever it is. And the frog takes the scorpion across the river because the scorpion's like, oh, please help me, whatever it is. Then it gets on the other side and the scorpion stings the frog and the frog's there dying going, why did you do it? And the scorpion goes, you know what, I, you knew what I was. Like, it's in my nature type thing. So admittedly, Ronaldo is being Ronaldo. It is all about him, himself, the same way in the summer. He was trying to engineer a move away because he wanted to play in the Champions League and therefore still stat pad. Um, obviously sympathies with how with what happened with his daughter like that horrible and if the club didn't do enough at the time I understand that because anyone would feel pissed off about that but also one thing we haven't brought up which I find quite interesting is this man left went everything at Madrid went to Juventus came back and said there was the same jacuzzi the same pool and some of the same facilities at the club than when he left now Many United fans have been annoyed at the Glazers um, for lack of investment. And, you know, we've talked about this before where, you know, it's like one or two big shiny sign-ins, then they conveniently shut up and stop protesting. Um, Maz reliably informed me there still are protests going on the other day, which I was unaware of. But in that regard, don't shoot the messenger because what he's saying is actual facts in that regard. I don't agree with much else what he said that's neither here nor there for me to be really commenting on loads. But if the infrastructure is still stuck in the past, then finally you have someone who, knowing he's fully burned bridges with the club, is being open about that. Because, yeah, the Glazers have been toxic. We all know this. But then it's also quite a bitch move to go for the manager, the same manager who made you captain in terms of appeasement, and you not also mention a time that you stormed off when uh, United were beating Spurs. They made the whole story about you. Probably the then, best. Um, I mean, I'm bringing Maz in here as well. Like probably the best performance United have had in recent memories was against Spurs. If I'm not correct, yes, no. Yeah, no, 100. percent The best performances we have was Spurs and Liverpool, and both of them he wasn't in the team. I was just going to say that what CJ just CJ just mentioned. He went a good thing to come out this interview is the fact that he's having a go at the Glaciers because I think that, that's been long overdue and I'm glad a player and also Ronaldo with the with the amount of global attention he has he's, he's highlighting this because if anything it, uh, it does a detriment to the Glaciers in the way that they've, they've been running the club um, but I, 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 I don't know I, I think the way he's gone about it is, is completely wrong um, one thing that I did 
Reed Pierce Morgan was saying was it, it's a, it's apparent, and throughout the interview, you will see that he still loves the club, he loves United, it's, and the fans, but it's just the way he's being run at the moment. He he he's not happy with, and to be honest with you, I think he's got every right to moan about the facilities because um, it, it's just, it's not going to attract the right sort of place at the club, especially when you've got glitzy glam training facilities at clubs like well, Tottenham or even Leicester. Look at their new facility in City across the road. It look, looks absolutely amazing. Their their stadium and and their training campus. So I think we're we're behind on that, and that is a glazier's fault. So I'm glad he's highlighting that, but. It's just gone about it the wrong way. If, if he had gone, like, I think if he had gone, like, attacking the club and saying, I'm not happy with how the club is running rather than, you know, making it about himself, I think he would have got a lot more sympathy and the fans on his side if he had just gone on full-on assault saying, you know, Man United are not performing at the best level. I want them to reach this level. Uh, why has this happened? Why has this happened? That, I think, would have been a better way of doing it. But he's... I feel he's framed it completely wrong. And I think, Carlisle, you brought a good point on how he it's, brought on like facilities and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, it's just the way he's, he's attacked the manager. And you'd expect that maybe for him to speak about it once he's retired or, or, or left the game. And yeah. if, if, he wants, if he's trying to engineer a move, then it's just gone the wrong way about it. And, to, and it backs up Thomas Tuchel's point about the reason why he didn't want to sign him in the summer because he yeah. thought it would be too much good of a point there, man. Detriment to, to the club and and the, and, the tra- and the dressing room, which is which is true. Also, remember he dropped this literally the same day that you just won against Fulham. He could have waited like a week or something, and he's on United's payroll, openly slating the manager. This so is, this was I was going to yeah. say it's like literally like the rancher just scored like an eighteen-year-old you know youth academy product. Such a big moment for the club you know, winning in the last minute and he's just like washed over it with his petulance, I think. Yeah, but I think he's done it on purpose. Gives him release just before the World Cup, before he goes away and leave the shit from behind whilst he goes and enjoys international football. Gives, gives Get some distance. Yeah. Um, Adi, I was going to ask you, what, what happens now? Uh, where, where are his options and what can he actually do? Ronaldo being Ronaldo, the timing is basically... Because there is a shop window, there is a chance. He's seen what has happened with contracts with people like Aubameyang or Arsenal, where you make the situation irrecoverable. That clubs now might actually buy you out of your contract or find a way to cancel your contract if you can find another buyer. He's what he's doing is positioning himself that if he has a good World Cup and scores a few goals and shows he still has it, which knowing his sense of drive, he probably will do, and the Portugal team that's behind him. And then comes January, he's going to go and find another club, another top-level club at the top level of football, which allows him to still play in the Champions League somehow. It may not be um, one of Europe's elite, but somewhere in Portugal or something like that, he'll go to a top club. This is what he's positioning himself well. He's a brand, and he's got advisors that probably advise him like a brand would uh, need, and somebody who represents a brand would need to be advised. And he's just pivoting towards, okay... I'm going to make sure that this time in Man United is cut short, that there's no, oh, we're going to keep him and maybe try on. He's He wants out, and that's what it is. So I don't I don't see him being there after the World Cup. That's a good point. And with the World Cup, I don't know, I want to put some money down of him being top scorer. I don't know why. I just have this gut feeling he's going to come through. It's, honestly, it's the type of thing he'll do. It's for some, out of nowhere, he'll just be, he'll just... Yeah. Um, okay, cool. I guess um, unless anyone has anything else to add on that, I think we've exhausted it. I think we've um, highlighted some of the key points around his timeline and what's actually expected of him in the future and what we expect him to do. Um, but yeah, I mean, we can we can squiggle off onto the next topic if everyone's cool with that. Um, I wanted to, obviously, over the last week, we've been seeing... Uh, pivoting now to a World Cup sort of focus. Um, we've been seeing the squads come out from different nations and announcements that have been going on. So, I mean, naturally, we have to look at the England squad announcement, correct? Um, happy to take someone else. I mean, Kalal, I would love to hear what your thoughts were 
anyone you look at the squad and you're like a bit questionable about? Obviously, some have been in, enforced by injury. But yeah, let's start with, with you, Carla. What, what are your thoughts on um, the squad announcement? Uh, I mean, we've exchanged a lot of messages over the last week. But yeah, Florian. Right, so um, my unpopular opinion is Trent shouldn't really be anywhere near the squad because the way that we play, at least internationally, doesn't account for his strengths. Like, it, it doesn't bolster his strengths enough without hiding his deficiencies. Um, I get why he's going. Like, he is an amazing talent. But yeah, um, that for me, I don't understand unless we're going to play in a different way that I don't know about. Connor Cody. The less, yeah, the less said. Nah. But as as you mentioned, Trent, I'm just wrapping my knuckles, just ready to fight on this podcast, just FYI. So I'm going to let... I'm gonna so let I, you, I don't I'm even fight. That's, that's fine. Says. I'm going to let you finish. Yeah, that, that's, that's, that's fine because I know, the, I know like it's on paper, it makes sense based on what he can do. But the way that England play is not going to bring out the best of him and will spend more time trying to negate his liabilities than platforming his abilities. And that, that that's all. It, that's literally what it is. Like, if we would play in a way that would bring out the best of him and we'd be okay, like a back five where there's enough cover, then cool. But we're not going to do that. I know we're not going to do that. But are, you, um, are you saying he's not good enough to get into a 26-man squad? Pardon? Are you saying that he's not good enough to get into a twenty-six man squad? In terms of a defender being able to being able to defend, no. That's a, because I'd have picked Reese James ahead of him. Yeah, but he's not available. But Reese James is injured. But Reese James isn't available. I don't know. Um, Would you not want, Maz, you not to want be fair, option? to be fair, Maz, you you were backing up Carla when I posted my my little. No, no, squad. I was back, I was backing up CJ when he said. Having Trent, having Trent at right back and having Trippy at left back was madness, which I still think is madness. But I'd, I'd have him in the squad, but not in the first first starting eleven. I'm gonna, okay, that's fine. Hold on, but this is the thing, right? Have him in the squad, but not the first eleven. What's the point of him being let's there? Let's get to that point. I want to hear Adi's Adi's view on this, and then we can debate this specific point and and push on with the rest of the squad. Adi, what's what are your view? I guess just general. Um, view of the squad, but more importantly, the, the topic we've just started to debate about is Trent. Uh, I'm keen to hear your thoughts. Trent has to go. <laughs> Look, the squad needs com- competition for places. Um, you've got versatility in people like Ben White who've gone with the squad, thank God. You've got Trippier. If England have taken Harry Maguire in this squad which tells me that England still are going to do what they've always done, which is rely on set pieces. If you are looking for set piece delivery that can decide games, you take Trent with you all the time. Because if Trippier gets an injury, there's no one who's replicating that ability in the England squad for me. I'm sorry, you can say whatever you want to say. There's not one player in that squad, not Mason Mount, not anybody who will be able to deliver on the money to people's heads so that they can score or score you a free kick randomly or do something like that. If, if, if James Ward-Prowse is going out... That's why I would have... Yeah, I would have brought Ward-Prowse instead of Mount. I get the reasons for Mount in terms of he presses a lot from the front, but I think he's not that deep. You know, I think he, Chelsea, yeah, cool. But I don't think for England he's that good. But I know that's quite a controversial opinion. So, yeah. <laughs> So then that's another bow in your kind of bag that you can basically use. Another string to your bow, basically, that you've got there. So he has to go out of the best players in England. The squad for me is a bit dead. I'm not going to lie, because they're players like Calvin Phillips. I don't understand how 12 minutes of football in a calendar year can get you on a plane. But that's just... I, I, that annoys me, because there are better midfielders. There's midfielders that have played better than him. I mean, Ward-Prowse over Phillips is it's fair. I think that's Did you um, hear Southgate explaining the reasons why? Where he basically went, yeah, so with Walker and um, uh, Phillips, obviously they're both not match fit or whatever. We'll just have to manage it and basically hope that we'll get by. I mean, I'm paraphrasing here, but essentially it was, yeah, they're not fit, but they're coming anyway because we need them. And I'm just like, that's such a slap in the face to people that actually have been playing well 
consistently since the beginning of even the beginning of the season that deserve to go based on merit, not you've literally just come back from having a shoulder injured. You tapped a ball a couple of times and let's hope you're going to not, they're not getting up to match fitness that quickly. I, I can understand Walker, to be honest with you. I mean, I, I don't think England are blessed with the best centre-backs or actually right-backs are pretty much okay with, but I just think James's injury kind of, Reece James's injury kind of ruined that. But I, I can understand Walker. And plus, he did start the season, to be fair to Walker. He fully missed the last three weeks of football. Um, but Phillips, yeah, I can't get my head around that one. I, I just don't understand. You're really going to be carrying him through the group stages and hoping he's fit for the, the, the second round, essentially. And then you want to put him on where he's not going to be up to pace with the rest of the team because apart from maybe training sessions, he hasn't played with them. There's no on-pitch chemistry, really. So, yeah, I look forward to that game. And to, to, to be honest, he doesn't get, in, get into the team ahead of Rice and Bellingham anyway. You'd hope not. Yeah, no, that's true. No. So he's he's not a starter anyway, regardless. So, but yeah, let's he's... let's dissect this point about Trent. So my my point is, I take on board CJ's point and Maz. Remember when I put Trippier? So added just for context, I put Trippier as left back because that's what I've seen Southgate do, and that's kind of uh, allowing your two. I I would say two best. Um, uh, wing backs or you know going left back and right backs in the team i've seen trippier can do it and i'm i was basically wanting him to be in the squad so i was putting trippier left back i was obviously wanting ben white center back with uh either oh my god eric dyer or harry Maguire. that is shocking but it would have been stones for me so stones. it was stones ben white and right back i would have trent now the reason again uh i think Adi made a good point my I don't know why. I, I think I get your guys' point, but my view was that since the injuries have happened, we just like as England, they need to play their best players. That's what it all comes down to. I don't like. I know there are deficiencies with Trent, but you're forgetting international football and what these Champions League teams and these Premier League teams are doing tactically are nowhere near the pace. So when you're having the deficiency, yes, there's going to be a gap, but I think international football will suit someone like Trent, a bit more, given the fact that there'll be a bit more time on the ball. I don't think players or even squads, even just looking at the England squad, some of them are suffering from injuries. So in terms of potential, for example, a Portugal who's missing Diego Jota and plays left wing, there's a bit more um, leeway. That's my point. And you have Kyle Walker, it's not Kyle Walker, it's Trippier on the left, uh, given the fact that he's played there before, he's done it before. I do like the fact Luke Shaw is obviously a lot better for England than he is for United. But just given on form currently, that's kind of the reason I went there. But yeah, feel free to debate that. But I, that's kind of my rationale as to why uh, I think Trent has to start. And for me, maybe is probably first choice if uh, you know everyone is injured, essentially. Who's, who's taking this first? I have, I have, I have two words to say to you in regards to um, yeah. best players, right? Every best players, Lampard. Actually, no, I have three words: Lampard, Skulls, Gerrard. Yeah, fair I, point. I just, I, to me, I just don't think playing a right back or left back works. It's just it's it's unnatural. Like if if I was playing left back, I could not play that ball down the wing with my left foot. It would go straight up, straight off the pitch. And and his only his only option would be the midfielder will close him down. Either has to go back to the centre back or go straight into the midfield. He's, he's, he's limited in terms of what he can do. And if 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 he goes attacking, it's obvious to the defender what he's going to do. Bring it back on his right foot and cross it in. Or bring it back on his right foot and play it back. So I think it, it limits his ability. And and on Trent, I think Trent's a great player, but I just don't think it works in a back four. He'd have to be a back back five. And and you're gonna say he does it for Liverpool, but difference with Liverpool is Liverpool keep the ball majority of the time this season they don't as much and they've been found out and England's style of football is not possession style of football they they, they will but again we're looking at club football and international football we're not expe- I'm not expecting like tiki-taka levels of football in this World Cup at all no no but in, in, England's style of England style of play is is they're not going to have possession of the ball they're going to they're going to they're going to expect pressure on them and that's where Trent's not as good at defending. I would, I would argue and, if, if you're playing that sort of game that is 
on the break or whatever, allowing other teams to have possession, Trent gives you that opportunity to give you that out ball with the sort of delivery he can give you from, I don't know, 40, 50 yards away, just ping it over the top. Yeah, but then but you're risking one good ball out of him being found out every time the ball goes behind him or, or when a cross comes in, which is which is his weakest area at the moment. I don't know. I, I'm I, I I'm happy to sense, like I'm taking you up. I just think given we're talking about best players, he needs to play. Like there's no debate on this. Yeah, then you're gonna change the formation for him if you want to get him in the team. I'm I'm happy to be proven wrong. Like I'd love Trent to do well. The problem is international football or club football it will still be a thing, right, where people will cotton on. And if it's not immediately, then it'll be in the latter stages, because I'm assuming England will get further, is we'll get to a stage where so many attacks will just keep pinging down the left-hand side and he'll be pinned back and back, which means everyone else will drop back and back. And admittedly, yeah, we're playing defensive football. We'll have slabhead there and all of that. But I think it's unnecessarily putting pressure on ourselves which then means when you're, it's a risky kind of football to play, right? Because, yep, I'm all for, you know, soaking up pressure and launching a quick counter-attack. But as we've seen, and again, I, I don't want to make comparisons, but I'm going to end up doing this with Spurs, right? When it works, it works. Because you soak up all the pressure, quick one, two, three passes, release, goal. But... I actually, I like Trent, to be honest. I think he's a good player. I've got nothing against Trent. I just don't think he works internationally because you have to Ade, have so much gonna, to caveat him. Ade, given, the, given the fact that you, you said he's got a good delivery and we're talking about um, it's not worked before in international football, how can we actually say that when he's never even been given a chance? The thing is, it's not worked. It's, but do you know what he brings to the table? He does it for his club. And it, it, the, the thing about the World Cup is that People are thinking so one-dimensional in the sense of what a squad needs to have. A squad needs to have all abilities to be tactically flexible, to be able to change things up. If you play Trent in a five-man defence, Southgate is not, not not averse to turning to playing a five-man defence. And you play him on the right and you have defensive midfielders who can cover his wing, him, and you plan to soak up pressure. He is the best player to be able to say, okay, we have to play deeper, but we have to hit our attackers quicker and be accurate because we're not going to get to build up through the midfield. England don't play a possession game. He can do that. Trippier can do that, but he gives you another avenue of being able to do that. So I think the debate over him going or not, we're trying to think about him fitting into a rigid four-man back uh, defence or rigid system, but it's just the tactical flexibility that players with different sorts of specialisms in their game, give you. And I, I, he's never been given a chance before. He's probably not going to pick up many minutes should Trippier remain fit at this World Cup. But if Trippier gets injured, I don't think many people are going to moan at the fact that Trent is the replacement. Um, and Southgate will just have to tailor his game and that's where the manager has to come in. But I was talking about him being, uh, we're going to plan to play defensive football. England are going to play defensive football. The, the, the squad they've taken shows... They, they don't intend to go and dominate games by winning possession. They are going to play that defensive soak-up pressure and use their fast attackers' football. So in that squad, he for me, he works perfectly. Fair enough. My quick gonna... hot take is it's not going to be very productive for us in this World Cup. I mean, it worked for the Euros, I, yeah, but I'm gonna... that's the Euros. So. I'm going to throw, throw in a name here just for Adi, then Maz, and then CJ, you can kind of talk about it but Conor Gallagher Ade, what what are we expecting from this guy uh, I'm quite happy he's going to be fair sorry sorry to jump I don't know why this guy's on the plane really what has Conor Gallagher done this season for, for him to be going to the World Cup and starting with England what what has he done and for the fact that he's there and there was all this debate about Madison being there is just ludicrous to me when Madison should have been one of the first players to even get mentioned I don't know Gallagher I haven't seen him it's not like he started every game at Chelsea this year and okay he scored one good goal against Crystal Palace he's not playing in the same type of system that he was at Palace where there was a little bit more of he was given a bit more license to be expressive and he was told to press from the front and that's where his game was because he was getting the ball high and he was dominating their midfield in England's setup they played with two deep central uh defensive midfielders that's not Gallagher's game to me he's and I don't know if England wanted to play on the front foot 
and have a midfield that really pressed the opponent high and tried to dominate the ball, fair enough. I don't know if that's what Southgate's going with, but I just it's, it, it just seems like an appointment where they, they said, oh, who's the best bright, young, one of our own midfielders that we can whack on the plane next to Mason Mount? And he's another name. I'm, but, I'm not expecting he, him to start. I'm just, I'm happy he's going. It gives you some sort of flex. But Maz, do you want to come in on, on Gallagher at all? Do I like him? Uh, I'm I'm glad he's going. I think, I think, I think we need to be a bit open-minded on on, on some of the players here because I think he adds a bit of a different dimension to the players that he's already got in the squad. Like if if for whatever reason you have two or three injuries and you need to change your formation to a four five one or whatever, for instance, you you need three central midfielders during the game or or just for a game, for instance, because anything could happen. I think it's the option having that bit of energy and someone running up and up, up, up and down constantly. And I think it you need different dimensions in that squad. And he's not going to be a starter, but I think it's an option. It's a good option to have in case anything happens. Fair enough. Carlisle, any last thoughts on, on Gallagher before we jump on uh, to our last um, sort of topic around the England squad? Um, I mean, it kind of, I guess it kind of mirrors basically going to repeat what Maz said because essentially it's he's not going to start. We know that. Um, I think he's a good player. I think he showed last year at Palace what he can do in the right setup. Obviously, he was promised things at Chelsea and then he hasn't played as much as perhaps you can argue he should have been playing at Chelsea. Um, I think it's potentially just one of those surprises. Like, you know, when Walcott was going to go to the World Cup and it was, let's see what he can do. And I don't think he even played that time. But it's one of those you don't really know what to expect. So if you're chasing something or you need to freshen something up, all right, have some garbage time, let's see what you can do. Um, but yeah, like Ade said, it is a bit weird that there were arguments about Madison and people legitimately were like, oh, he shouldn't go. That was a hot topic of debate. And then Gallagher just kind of sneaks in via the back door. Um, so like, I'm happy with it, but it is one of those a bit, it's a bit of those one of those weird little hmm all the noise for Madison and people had to clamor literally all over media all the pundits were like Madison 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 Rogers was saying Madison Madison he's getting interviewed about it and then Gallo just just kind of just ends up on the plane yeah it's a bit weird fair enough um all right we'll just go one round each um just throw me a hat uh, a name in 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 the hat uh, Ade and then Maz and then about maybe someone who they missed out, the England squad. Are we missing anyone? I mean, there's one obvious one, but anyone else? Uh, Ade, I'll let you go first. Come back to me. I need to think of this. All right. Maz, anyone from your side? Tony, instead of Wilson. Yeah, as, as, as the obvious one, but is there anyone else from your yeah. radar? I mean, we, we mentioned um, the defenders in Italy, Tomori, Smalling, Would. I think one of those should have gone instead of Kona Cody, in my opinion. But I think Smalling's not been too at well all for a while now. I don't, don't know why he's disappeared. Yeah, I mean, he's been doing well. Tomori, um, I can I've not seen him enough. Of him. The only game I saw of him was was the Chelsea game, and he was he got sent off. He's awful. So <laughs> that's the only that's the only game I can judge him off. But I don't think it's fair to judge him off that game. All right, um, Carlisle. Anyone that we've missed out? I mean, mentioned there, Tony Smalling, Tomori. Um, yeah, Abraham, I mean, I know he hasn't been the best, like, stats-wise recently, but to be honest, neither is Callum Wilson, and he's there. And I have nothing against Callum Wilson, but to me, he's a bit too similar to Kane. I mean, I guess that's the same argument for Tony, right? But I don't... Yeah, I, I just... I don't see how, if there's a game and Kane's been ineffective, how putting Wilson on and expecting expecting him to do the same thing will make much of a difference. Plus, like we've said with Tony, if Tony goes goes to penalty shootouts, we historically as a country are absolutely shit at penalties. With Tony, that's a guaranteed goal. The, the, the one point I just have on Wilson, I mean, he's done well, but don't get me wrong, I do have concerns about his injury and fitness. Like, he always has some sort of problems. So I don't know how you can depend on him to be your backup striker when you're not even sure your backup striker will actually be fit for being a backup. Um, it's also quite easy for Wilson to look good now because Newcastle have pimped out their squad. Yeah, and that's not to say that he's a bad player. 
but obviously he will excel and look a lot better than he has done um, based on the fact that he's around better quality players. Fair enough. Adi... Because this is, what, the first time he's been really touted as being good enough for England? Exactly. I think so. Um, Adi, who's your, who's your pick? I would say, uh, hearing what Matt said, it is Tomori. Yeah. Um, reason being is that's a centre back that gives you another dimension to what you've currently got. Uh, no, you know, I know they've probably put Carl Walker in there, but you've pretty much rushed Carl Walker back to try and get what Tomori can give you, being 100% fit and playing as well. So yeah, Tomori would be that name. Nice. Okay. Um, I think that's a lengthy debate on the English squad, but um, before we jump into our quiz, I think we had. Um, the mid-season awards, which uh, we've kind of sent over into our respective group chat. But uh, for the listener, if you have any listeners, that is, um, we've got uh, five or six categories that we have all kind of pitched into. So we have signing of the season, redemption story, unsung hero, uh, best manager so far, and young player, and maybe a conversation around the flop of the season. Rather than turning into a mass brawl and debate because I know we have differentiated opinions here, but I would love to just uh, name out the, um, the the topic or the award, so to say, and I'll go around in a circle and then maybe everyone can just give me like 15, 20 seconds as to why you've chosen them. So um, I'm going to go with signing of the season. We'll go in reverse order. So on my screen, I've got Carlisle first. Who is your signing of the season? I have Nick Pope, and that's because... I was quite intrigued to see who was going to buy him when Burnley got relegated. Newcastle obviously came in with that that oil money, smunnies. Um, but yeah, he's a good keeper and he's obviously proven his worth um, since he's joined. Obviously, it's not just him on the defence being good, but when called upon, he's been very reliable. I have to say a reasonable fee as well, given how much goalkeepers are going for nowadays, especially English international. But good shout. Uh, Maz, who's your signing on season so far? I said Ericsson, okay. based on that, is a free transfer. And also, I think there's always been that debate about who's going to play alongside our, our defensive midfield that's going to plug the gap between defence and, and attack. We had Pogba for a while and he wasn't obviously performing, to, performing to, to, to the standards we know he's, he's capable of. And Ericsson's just come in and just made that position his own. And also, I think he's the closest player we've had to someone like, I want to say, Carrot, no, not even carrot skulls, I'd say. Yeah, I would say skulls as well. Can, yeah, ping a ball, just get the attack moving. We've had not, not had that for a while, and he's just come and just fitted in seamlessly. Fair enough. Uh, I can't, yeah, I, I mean, we'll get into a fight if we get into a debate on that, but um, I'll, let, I'll let you have that one. Signing of the season, are they so far for you? Uh, I went a bit left field, but I said Vout fires if you say his name like that. Um, the Belgian for Leicester? Yeah. Yeah, nice. I think there's yeah. Leicester were trash at the first part of the season when they were having the whole Fofana in, um, speculation and him out of the team, and then he's come in. And honestly, in the last five games, they've actually looked like a sound defensive unit. And he's what's changed. He's the outfield player that they signed to replace Fofana. So he's made such an impact in kind of helping that defence get reorganised and giving them something. And everyone doubted that he'd be the guy to change their fortunes at the beginning of the season, but they look much better now. So, yeah. I mean, there's no coincidence that their upturning form has come when he's back in the team. So, yeah, I can... I like that selection. Um, I'll go back to you, Adi. Who was your redemption story? I think we've agreed on this. Granite Xhaka, I've seen two or three other people say this. But, yeah, give me, like, 10 seconds why. I mean, I'm pretty sure we've discussed this before. Granite Xhaka, yeah. I mean, I, I don't need to spend too long on it. He's just... <laughs> I like Granite Xhaka now, and that says a lot. Because <laughs> he was one of the players that I definitely didn't have the best opinion of. I didn't really understand. But then now you can see what he gives you in terms of commitment. And when he's playing in a position where he's got some cover, let's just hope that midfield can stay together. But yeah, Granite Xhaka, he's come back again. This Very season. nice. Very nice. Maz, who is your redemption story? I mean... I can see the name right in front of me, but I want to hear you say it. Do you know what I said? Danny Ward. <laughs> only based based on the fact that I slated him so much this season. Like, literally, like, I, I called him a amateur footballer, amateur goalkeeper <laughs> at one point. And he just literally turned around and just kept six clean sheets. He's got more clean wow. sheets than De Gea, believe it or not. Wow. So, um, 
yeah, I think yeah, go give him a shout out, right? He's very nice. I, I just wanted I mean, to hear you it say could it. Be, <laughs> it. To be fair, it, it, it could be the fact that he's got that Belgium defender. I've got his name now. Wildfire just mentioned it. Yeah, yeah, and that could be the reason why. But you know what? He's made a few good saves as well. So fair play to him. Nice. A few good saves, bro. You're being best of you know. <laughs> CJ, give us your redemption uh, story. Um, mine's Leno because I think for a lot of players, a lot of players, a lot of fans. Um, well, if they weren't as invested, Arsenal fans pretty much wrote him off, unless you know th- some that were there for the dark days when he was literally the only reason that we were even vaguely where we were for the last couple of seasons. But obviously, we bought Ramsdale and he kind of just got relegated to scrap heap. Um, so I think it's nice for him to go to Fulham and. Fulham are, I think, ninth in the table. Let me double check that. They're ninth? Yeah, Fulham are ninth in the table. That's obviously been in no small part down to him. Um, so, yeah, I think it's nice to see, like, a player that actually was very good and it was just the way that we decided to change how we played and stuff. And he was just obviously circumstanced to that. Um, so, you're gonna, yeah. You're going to delve into you uh, as we're going around again, delve into your unsung hero as well, just to capital right um this one might seem a bit weird because it's not really unsung but i think it's now his like coming of story arc so if this is like anime this is where he has all his badass powers and just fucks everyone up um almeron because he's been at newcastle for so long and he's always been working hard has always done everything but score but it's like this season surrounded by a better cast he's just yeah he's red hot um, some of the goals he scored have been absolutely disgusting. Yeah. So, um, yeah, he's my unsung hero who probably actually is just a hero, to be honest. Just, but... just to add on that, Leon, who's uh, another participant on the pod, gave him Almiron the redemption story, just given the fact that he's completely become a different player. So, fair enough. Uh, Maz, who's your unsung hero this season so far? I went for Joe Paulina. Paulina. Fulham. Fulham. Yeah, you know he's been solid this whole season, but I'm watching the game... Yesterday, yeah, yesterday, I just thought this guy is actually on another level. I, I was like, just watched him, like, literally puts his feet into everything and, and, and wins tackles. And he just, it's just, it's, it's like a Kante all rounder, basically. Like, puts, yeah, all rounder puts his feet into everything and wins the ball majority of the times. I was looking at his stats earlier, and he's the most successful, ta- like, tackles in, in the league this season. That's it is crazy. Him. It's a good shout. Very nice uh, left field. Adi, who's your uh, unsung hero? Thomas Frank, Brentford manager. I think uh, for me, it's just basically one of those. You look at clubs that come into this league and how they yo-yo and they go up and down. Some leagues get absolutely... uh, Some teams, you know, first season... They get absolutely uh, uh, like luck and they're riding high like we saw with Sheffield United a couple of years ago. Um, and then they just start getting pummeled the next year. Um, with him, he's looking like he's built a stable outfit. And, you know, we spoke about their academy not being the one that produces so many players. He doesn't have players that anybody really knows. All the names are names that he's had either before or they've bought on low budget. And he's still managing to be mid-table with this team. And to top it off, he beat Man City away, you know, helping out Arsenal uh, this weekend. So I think you got to pay respects to the job he's doing. He's obviously a very good coach. And, you know, you wonder what you do with better resources around him. 100%. Do you want to you know, finish off with, uh, I mean, add your, not really finish off, but add your your manager of the... Yeah, it's Gary O'Neill. Um, everyone was sceptical when Bournemouth sacked Scotty Parker. Um, you know, even I was one of the people that were saying, if you don't give somebody money, what the hell are they supposed to do? This crap squad and Bournemouth were looking terrible. And then since then, you know, they had a run of games where they were unbeaten. Um, they just smashed, uh, was it Everton twice in a row in the cup in the league, um, back to back, even when they had their, you know, and Everton, their full squad and Everton were for a time the best defense in the league this season. So you got to give him credit. He's doing a good job there. He's obviously a good manager and he's obviously got the ears of the players. And apart from looking up at the table, Eddie Howe and Arteta and other people like that, you got to look at that and say he's really helping. And it's his first proper job. So I I, I think, Carlisle, you've you've chosen this. Yep, I had him as well. And it was more just because of the hissy fit (laughs) that Scott Parker threw, which I thought was completely justified because Scott Scott Parker is a good manager. Um, And then, yeah, uh, Gary O'Neill just came in. Looked at that squad, 
he must have like backhanded an effigy of Scott Parker or something in the changing room because the way that they've responded since, and like Ade said, <laughs> Everton got put in a split twice in one week. So, um, yeah, I mean, what more is there to say, really? I think it's also raises an interesting conversation about caretaker managers and really should a lot of um, managers when put in that situation be actually allowed to continue managing the club rather than, you know, just being the subject of every week, oh, we're going to bring in someone new, we're going to bring in someone new, because that can't be the best environment to be working in, but he's still trailing out results. So, yeah, kudos to my yeah, man. Great point. And, yeah, reference to CR7 calling Ranjik a piece of shit, in other words. Uh, Maz, who's your manager of the, the season so far? I mean, it's pretty obvious. It's either Arteta or Eddie Howe. Yeah, mine's, yeah, the obvious Eddie Howe. And I think it's just... Reasons are obvious. I think he's just turned that team completely around and looking like a serious challenger for that top four position. Fair enough. Do you want to shout out your young player as well and round up this segment? Uh, well, Saka again, obvious reason. I think he's this season he looks on fire. And if he doesn't start for him, then uh, well, he's got to start for him. I can't see anyone else better than him in that position, regardless of what country. I thought you were going to throw in Sancho in, in the there, but. Well yeah. done for refraining for bringing your boy into the conversation. I knew we were going to go a podcast without <laughs> mentioning him. Um, uh, oh, um, I hope I say it right, Sinistera, because, whew, yeah, um, that man has saved Marsh's backside, to be honest. Confusing him, mate. No. I think you're thinking of Somerville. Oh, but Sinister. Oh, yeah, sorry, Somerville even. Um, yeah, because what is it now? There's been three games where, well, there's been three games that he scored two. I think he scored the winner. So he scored at Anfield. He's basically, the and then last yeah, he scored the winner at Anfield. Then he scored the winner a week later. I think. Yeah, then he scored against Tottenham, but they messed up. But yeah, but they lost. So yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, for someone who hasn't had that much game time, the impact he's managed to have in so short a time has been very impressive. So, yeah, I kind of, I'm kind looking forward to see what's going to happen with him and hopefully it keeps going. Nice. Adi, uh, your young player from Liverpool? Yeah, that's Harvey Elliott. Uh, I think he broke his leg, was it last year or a year ago? Not, not even and, this you know, year and somehow he's just recovery. Exactly. And I know obviously young players can recover quicker, but to come back and to be fearless and to come into this Liverpool squad who's got an ageing midfield and is showing and be the one player who actually is doing stuff for them. Not only is he kind of, he knits their play together when he plays, um, make sure they don't really feel the absence of Thiago in some respects. And he's now adding goals to his game. And I think no one's really looking at him because Liverpool are having a bad time, but out of everybody, he's been the mainstay. He's actually forced his way into their starting lineup. So for me, um, all right, before we, we go on to the quiz, I've got obviously, I mean, I'm surprised nobody's mentioned Saliba, but obviously I'm biased. But uh, another unsung hero I'd say maybe needs a bit of a shout out is the technical director at Newcastle, Dan Ashworth. And I even went with Manuel Akanji at City because I just thought he was a throwaway signing for like £12 million from Dortmund just to plug in another gap. But he's actually, you know, reasonably played well. I mean, I know they lost over the weekend, but. Uh, quite impressed with that way he's kind of adapted to the Premier League. Um, just yeah, so, so let's let's tie this all off before the quiz. Uh, can you give me each your flops of the season, and then we jump to the quiz? So uh, so it has to be Jason Sancho. <laughs> I, I, can't, I can't help but laugh, but look, I, he was bought last year. I gave him the benefit of the doubt. Big transfer big signing and I to be fair I like him as a player when he was at Dortmund he was like I was so excited I was so jealous when Man United actually signed him and he's disappeared I've seen him live and he's the worst player on the pitch the day that I saw the game we happened to lose um and he's just not grabbing it the ball by the scruff of the back or the games by the scruff of the neck or the ball by the horns and trying to cement his place. And now he's dropped out of the England squad as well. And so it's really, it's really sad time. And the new guy who scored yesterday, Garancho, taking his spot on the left wing to a certain extent, you'd say, Alanga as well. But it's a, it's a very good shout. Uh, Maz, who's your flop so far? I struggle to choose between all the players that Chelsea signed, to be honest with you. I know we, Someone messaged in the group yeah. earlier saying all the Chelsea players, but I'd have to agree with that. I think every single one has been poor. 
I can't think of any 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 one of them that's been actually been good. Unless someone nobody because they spent seventy million for Fana, unfortunately yeah. injury prone. So you can give him some sort of doubt. Kulibai has been Tukarel has been appalling. Crap. Sterling is not even doing nothing. Okay, that's yeah. uh. So basically, the whole transfer strategy of Chelsea is your flop of the season so far, which is fair enough. Um, Carlisle, who's your last uh, name? Um, I'm gonna be selfish and go with two players, Arthur Mello. In fact, some people may actually forget that Liverpool even signed him because man has been a ghost since he got there. But also Richarlison because. If you remember at the end of the season, there was end of last season, it was oh, Richardson's kept Everton up, da 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 da. And then, yeah, my man's gone to Spurs. And yeah, like I know not, Nunes has been getting a lot of stick for how he hasn't really done much at Liverpool, but obviously he got that red card and he's now scored, I think, nine and 18 yeah. or something like that. So, like, he's starting to get into form. Richardson has been playing, but just hasn't really done much. Um, yeah, I actually was going to put him into my fantasy team because I was like, okay, cool, we're going to go to Spurs, we'll kick on. And he didn't, so I got rid of him. Fair enough. Uh, my flop so far is probably Calvin Phillips. I just don't understand. I knew that was going to be a bad signing, but uh, I'm glad to be bring, sorry, glad to be being proved right about it. Still didn't say it right, but anyway. Um, all right, let's just jump to last section. Hopefully uh, wrap it up in the next five minutes or so. So we've got, um, obviously, a quiz uh, between all three of you. Uh, so we've got three sections, as everyone knows, true or false, multiple choice, and bang on the head. So we're going to start with Ade. Um, I've got three questions in each category. So obviously, everyone has one pick at each category. Uh, Ade, who or what category are you choosing for your first uh-huh. question? True or false, multiple choice, or bang on the head? Bang on the head. Let's go. All right. Bang on the head. Question number one. Ronaldo wore another shirt number during his time at Madrid. Can you tell me exactly what that number was and who was wearing his preferred number? I know the shirt number was number nine. Uh, Was it Mariano Diaz that was wearing his number? That is wrong, sir. It was the one and only legend, Raul, who had oh, number seven. Raul, Mr. Blank. So I'm going to give you half a point for that, mate, uh, just given you got partial of that question and we want to be generous on this show. All right. Um, Maz, question for you. Uh, true or false, multiple choice or bang on the head? What are you going for? Go for multiple choice. Great. So your question is, Kevin De Bruyne played for two German clubs prior to Manchester City. Who were they from this list? Wolfsburg, Schalke, Werder Bremen, Stuttgart, Hertha Berlin. So I'll repeat again. De Bruyne played for two German clubs during or prior to his time at Man City. Who were they from this list? Wolfsburg, Schalke, Werder Bremen, Stuttgart or Hertha Berlin? Um... Wolfsburg Correct, for one, one of those that. points. So I'll give you half. Give you last chance and you've got five seconds to answer after. So you've got Wolfsburg. Correct. Schalke, Werder Bremen, Stuttgart or Hertha yeah. Berlin. Time's up, mate. I can't give you that much time. You, what, did, what did you select? Great shout. Well done. Two points. Nice. Last minute equaliser. Well done, Maz. So, Maz in the lead. Carlisle, what's your choice of poison? True or false? Multiple um, choice. Oh, we're going for that again, are we? Uh, I hope you've not seen this because I posted it on my stories yesterday. But Turkey's Hakan Shukur scored the fastest goal in World Cup history in the 2002 World Cup uh, and just clocked at 10.8 seconds. Can you tell me out of this team's who it was against? Japan? Croatia, Senegal, or South Korea? Japan, Croatia, Senegal, or I'm going to go South Korea. Sir, that is two points to CG as well. Ade, uh, so you have uh, one, so you've basically got multiple choice or true or false. What is your poison? Multiple choice. Right. Your multiple choice is. What Spanish club did Barcelona buy Rivaldo from? Genoa, Cadiz, Espanyol, or Deportivo La Coruña? Uh, 
That, this is a trick question because Geno is in Italy last I remember. But anyway, well done for catching that out. You're not getting bonus points for that. Can we repeat the question? What, um, repeat what, the answers. Yeah, yeah. What Spanish club did Barcelona buy Rivaldo from? Genoa, Cadiz, Espanyol, or Deportivo La Coruña? Rivaldo. I'm going to say es- Deportivo. Well Last minute again. You were on the wrong path. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay, fair enough. Uh, two points to you, sir. Um, great. We're going back to uh, Mazarul. You have true or false or a bang on the head. What are you going for? A bang on the head. So your bang on the head question is, Avram Grant managed three clubs in the Premier League. Can you give me the names of all three of them? Chelsea, West Ham. Sounded um, confident, yeah. Chelsea, West Ham and Portsmouth. Well done, mate. Wow. On the head, three points. Maz on the on route to winning this quiz yet again. Jesus. Five points for Maz so far. Carlisle, you have one true or false question and you have one bang on the head left. Um, I'm going to go true or false. You're going true or false. Okay. So Diego Costa was born in Portugal and therefore was allowed to switch from Brazilian nationality to Spanish nationality without any issues. Is that a true statement or false? Um, I'm pretty sure I thought he was born in Spain. Or actually, no, he's got a parent that's... I'm going to say false. You are going with false, and that is correct. So it was a trick question because he wasn't born in Portugal and he was actually born in uh, Brazil. So I'll give you... Yeah, but it's through his parents, right, or something like that. So due to the fact yeah. of the points uh, tiering system, Carlisle, even though you got it right, you've got one point because true or false is the lowest scoring of the three. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. All right, so we go to Ade. Ade, you have a true or false left um, and a bang. No, you've done bang on the head. So it's just true or false left for mm-hmm. you, sir. Um, your true or false is... Fernando Morientes didn't score more than 10 goals for his time in Liverpool. True or false? True. Correct, Ade. One point for you. Well done. Morientes actually scored eight goals in 42 appearances for Liverpool. Uh, Right, so we have Maz to, I guess, wrap up. There's someone who still hasn't done bang on the head, which is, I think, Carlisle, if I'm not mistaken. Um, So, Maz, you have your last question, which is another true or false. Uh, So, your true or false question is, I'm throwing out, like, some legendary names here. Uh, Javier Saviola has played in the Spanish, French, Portuguese, Greek, as well as the Italian league during his career. Is that true or is that false? No, I'll repeat the question. <laughs> Javier Saviola has um, played in the Spanish, French, Portuguese, Greek, as well as the Italian league during his career. True or false? I'm going to say false. That is wrong, sir. He has actually played in all those leagues in Barcelona, Real Madrid, Monaco, Benfica, Olympiacos, and Genoa, if I'm not mistaken. Um... I could be wrong about the Italian, but he's definitely playing the Italian league, 100%. I will double-check that for you while we simmer Mr. Carlisle's uh, chance to actually run away with the quiz this time around. So Javier Saviola actually played at Verona. My bad. It wasn't Genoa. But yeah, he's played in all those leagues. Uh, Maz, you have ended the quiz with five points. CJ, you have got one left question left. Um Ade, you are on three and a half points. So, so far, you're in second place. So, this is to Carlisle to essentially win the quiz with a bang on the head. Carlisle, your question is on the theme of Ivan Tony missing out on the England squad. Can you give me the name of three of the clubs he was part of before Brentford? Can you name me three? Newcastle. Someone's come across there. All right. Newcastle, one. Correct. 
No, I, I literally only know Newcastle. Um, Stoke? Uh, that is wrong, sir. And you have one more attempt at the question. I'm going to say Charlton, but I have no idea if that's true or not. That is wrong again. Uh, sorry, sir. You have lost out to Maz yet again on the quiz. Maz takes home the prize again. This is getting boring, guys. Like, why can he keep winning all the time? Um, with Tony, the answers were obviously Newcastle was correct. He's played um, at Northampton. Barnsley, Shrewsbury, Scunthorpe, Wigan, and Peterborough. So, quite a selection of clubs that you missed out on. But I don't expect you to hit them because it's quite tough. But there you have it, guys. Maz, champion yet again. Uh, getting boring, like I said. So, someone needs to come up with some, some winning takings here. But well done. Thank you very much for your time. And I guess see you guys next week. Vigo's having to operate even more attackingly now. He really hits that one. Oh, that is just sensational from Luis Vigo. Goes for goal. Oh, what a goal. Here to Toshi, the cutter with a scream.